This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back for more fun and frivolity. Um, Chris, I've, I've figured out the secret to getting feedback on the show. Is it having a relative of yours depart and uh, having a heartfelt uh, discussion or remembrance of said relative? Uh, no, we, we need to do those from now on at the beginning of the show so that uh, people <laughs> don't click off during the plugs. No, no, Chris, it's when you accidentally mute your co-host and then upload the video or uh, audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just generally rude. You know how I feel about well, you muting well, me. You shouldn't be muting when, me. When I, when I leave it to the semi-professional such as yourself, all goes according to plan. When, when you leave it in my hands, things happen. Because Jeff just wants to get done. But yes, I uh, I rendered and mixed it without clicking off mute on your track. Gave it to the powers that be. 30 seconds after uploading, here come the complaints. And I was just like, wow, I, I try and say something to needle conversation at least once during a show. Get nothing. Absolutely not. Well, that's that's not always true either. That's not always true either. Um, it, it, it can even be a one-off line just taken entirely out of context. So sometimes we get reaction on those. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> ratings talk this week? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, let's let's do ratings talk. I'm looking forward to it. It's always a, it's a comforting time for me. Yeah, um, because it was... I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying the things people are thinking I'm saying, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Let's start, uh, start though, with passing. Uh, James Kamala Harris passing away at the age of 80, I believe it was, or maybe 70. I thought he was 70. It's 70, you're right. I have a typo here. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. We're all right. Let's just stop the show now. I'm just going to screw uh, this All up. right. Well, you know, like, look, uh, Kamala was kind of a really cool gimmick at the heart of it I, like i'm aware of the the problems with kamala too but mm -hmm. like there's something to be said for wrestling characters like street fighter 2 or mortal Kombat style characters and kamala like think about kamala <laughs> no it's kamala kamala, kamala. Is the vice presidential candidate <laughs> yeah I, I this is gonna be a problem for me fortunately we only had to do this the one week uh and, and like, like this is the one dude the the streams are completely crossed this week <laughs> kamala like think think about kamala on the roster of street fighter 2 and you could totally see him going up against zongi for going up against e honda and i think that that just makes for a classic professional wrestling character a classic character that would like fit in a comic book it just it evokes a, a fear of the unknown and like I, I mean yeah he's really aggressive and you want to see like 
could this dude, where he's from, with like his very unique background or whatever, could he handle, you know, the sumo wrestler or Zangief or any of the other people from Street Fighter 2 or Mortal Kombat or whoever? And I like that sort of stuff in terms of wrestling characters. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where, like, especially you could see it taking form in Memphis because this was a Jerry Lawler creation, if, if I remember correctly. And, you know, this is when, you know, your, your second-tier manager, I've been spanning the globe for somebody to take out Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant or Jerry the King Lawler or, or the Von Erich boys if you're Skandar Akbar and Devastation Incorporated. And, and so you're, you're bringing in these weird characters that you're pretending are from, you know, the, the darkest... Parts yeah, of the from land. the deepest depths, yeah, of yeah, like the heart of darkness, the, sort of you know, stuff. Missing yeah. Link, uh, even going to the more uh, more serious, quote unquote, characters like uh, like your Abdullah the Butchers. You know, they they're there to be a heavy. They can only be a heavy for so long and draw, and then you either have to do something with them or they have to go to another territory. I I love these guys. They're 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 lost art. Yeah, I, I mean, they very easily analogize to comic book villains or something. Well, um, well like, and here's the, the other the, thing the, that I, I was thinking of, and I, I was talking to, to a friend about this. I go, you know, for all the problematic aspects of the character, and trust me, I, I you could never do something like this today, and you probably shouldn't have done something like this back then. Let's be honest. But at the end of the day, James Harris could collect his money, go home, go to the mall, go out to eat, and nobody's ever going to bother him for being Kamala. And he can and he made big money doing this too. He, he was the fourth biggest draw for Hulk Hogan on on the tours there behind Andre Orndorff and I believe the big boss man. I think that's that's how it went. And that shocked me. It shocked me how popular he was. For me and my fandom, Kamala, I will always remember as the guy that they brought to the Great American Bash to really put over Magnum. And it was like a seven-second match. Belly-to-belly suplex, one, two, three, get out of there. And they built him up just for that squash. And you're kind of going, wait, this is a guy of some name. And Magnum TA could do that to him, and instantly Magnum TA is, is a star. Was it was it a Starcade or was it a Bash? I can't remember. But it was oh, I don't remember. But no, I, I mean the other thing is like he clearly, in terms of being a businessman, maximized a limited palette of wrestling moves and wrestling acumen. He made more money with fewer moves than nearly anyone in the business. Oh, and when he was a babyface character, he did even less because there was that whole thing. Well, we're trying to teach this savage how to pin an opponent correctly so he'd like he'd try and do the whole uh <laughs> much like much like our girl uh from the funkadactyl tried to pin a person with the stomach on the mat no you need to roll him over you know it was played for comedy and laughs and you know ooh, is he going to be able to trust the von erics because you know he's been abused for so long by friday or kimchi or whatever he'd be called in whatever territory you know it, it's it's a it's a gimmick that uh God, it had a lot of sustainability, too. It lasted a good 17, 18 years. I saw him wrestle a match against 
Brian Danielson in 06. Oh, that's right. No, it lasted longer than that, though. But, I mean, his peak was. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. No, but, I mean, like, even at that match, he didn't do much. You know, like, he didn't. Granted, he was at an advanced stage, but you can go back and, like, look at his earlier stuff. This guy never did much. But he made a lot of money, and people liked the character, and he was able to work through a number of different generations, and hey, man, like, there's nothing to be said for that. I, there really is. That's what I love watching old wrestling. I love watching and looking for the guys who don't do anything, but are still over. Like, the aforementioned Jimmy Valiant. He comes out, he rakes a guy's back. He punches a guy in the throat with his thumb. <laughs> but boy, that He's... that New York City song hits, and people go crazy he for him. He did nothing. He did absolutely he nothing. Do- he and he just it's it's like an entrance, and it, yeah. and, and it's more like. He comes out. And he's having a quick party with everyone. Where he's he is the feature. He gets in the ring. He does his three moves. He takes as few bumps, maybe no bumps, if possible, through the duration. He does of no his... bumps for squash matches. None whatsoever. Yeah, none. None. <laughs> that was the thing. Is man, I'm not going out there doing any work. You know, fifty seconds of the boy from New York City by the Manhattan transfer, and I'm out of here. And then I'll I'll save it for the big shows or the house shows on tour. I mean, I, I I got nothing but respect for that. Um, we have our first set of releases from AEW: Jimmy Havoc, B Priestley, Sadie Gibbs, and it looks like T Hawk and L Linneman from uh from the Chinese group OWE are uh, are gone from the roster page of AEW. Um, for me. I mean, the Jimmy Havoc thing speaks for itself. We've all heard about that. The big one for me was Sadie Gibbs because they were really putting a lot into her at the beginning of AEW and uh, I believe All In where they were doing video packages of her and she did that one match, showed off her gymnastic skills and then nothing. And I was kind of shocked by that. I know a lot of people are upset about B Priestley. Me, not so much um, because... She did a couple of matches and basically concussed. I think she concussed Rio and concussed, or no, she, and then she she walloped uh, uh, dentist Britt Baker, and you know, and she's she's Will Ospreay's girlfriend. So you know, you want to keep good tabs with people you may want to bring in, but who knows with Will and what's going on now? But um, yeah, and a lot of people loved El Liniman. Thinks he can be a big star. Thinks he should have been in the states, but it kind of shows. To me, it kind of shows their strategy on building a roster was kind of, I mean, there are downsides to building an international roster in many ways. Yeah, I liked Gibbs. I think out of all of them, Gibbs probably had the most potential. Yeah, and it looked like they wanted, but I I think she's out of wrestling, to be honest with you. I took a look at her Twitter page, and there's nothing about being a wrestler. There's a lot about, there's a lot of hippy-dippy stuff about being a life coach, and I just go, oh, <laughs> that might have happened, but I think she's also British. I think that might have also been an issue. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. That would affect things right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, these weren't, like, top-of-the-card people. No. Um, no, but uh, it, it is what it is. I, I, I'm actually surprised that AEW hasn't had more cuts. WWE shows will now be happening at the Amway Arena in Orlando. Uh, they made allusions to it in SmackDown. It looks like SummerSlam's going to be there as well. Looks to me like they're going to try and do the NBA thing. 
and put computerized they, they want to make fans. a bubble. Well, <laughs> no, of course not. We won't, don't want to do that. But I think oh. we're going to have computer-generated crowds as opposed to watching uh, Eric Bugenhagen ham it up on the TV. Dear God, but the computer-generated crowds are horrible. They're unsettling. Yes, but it shows real fans from time to time from their Zoom accounts or whatever. Remember, they did this for the NFL draft as well, and it was just as creepy then. But um, Yeah, no, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't want to watch that. I, 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 I would much rather just watch wrestling with the lights down i have this and focus on the action in the ring i have this strong feeling that they're moving to this arena because they think people are tuning out because being in the pc seems too small time that's not the issue i know people are tuning out because the shows are draggy and inconsistent right but uh we'll get into other things that may just be May just be throwing things to the wall and seeing if it sticks. Um, both ROH and uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood are returning to tapings very, very soon as well. Um, everybody's going to go back to some sort of modified business plan, it looks like. Interesting. Um, do, when do you think WWE decides to chance touring? I don't think they do it for a while. I think they. I don't. I don't. Let's put it this way: they're not going to be first. They'll be second, but they won't be first. They're, they're never the leaders in anything. They're gonna. They're gonna put their toe in the water and see if they can do it. Why? Yeah. What do you think? No, I. I think that that's right. I. I mean, I. I'm just like. When you're saying it like this, it's making me go like, oh, man, how long until Vince gets like the notion of let's take this show on the road? Mm-hmm. Pe- the people the people were starved for entertainment. WWE filed the trademark several names. Uh, most are people on the roster or from NXT UK or NXT. But uh, of note amongst these is one Jordan Devlin. Who was on the list of potential people who might have been in trouble from uh, the speaking out scandal. So I don't think they trademark his name if they're getting rid of him. Maybe. I mean, they might trademark his name, though, so he doesn't go and wrestle as Jordan Devlin. That could be it, too, but here are yeah, the names. I, uh, I mean, but to your point, like, Velveteen Dream was back this week. <laughs> we will get to that. Uh, Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, Jordan Devlin, Dexter Loomis, Pete Dunn, Mustache Mountain, James Drake, Zach Gibson, Indy Hartwell, Jake Atlas, Casey Catanzaro, Karrion Cross, Pretty Deadly, The Hunt, Inda Share, Rinku, Sarov, Grizzled Young Veterans, Imperium, Gallus, and Legato Del Fantasma will be in the WWE copyright library for a while. Uh, for ratings this week, AEW, ninth place, point three two in the... 18 to 49, 792,000 total. NXT did not chart. They had a .16 for in it for them in in the prime demo and had 619,000 total. Yeah, no, I mean, no matter how you want to slice it, NXT is a product that is hurting from this move to Wednesday night. There's just no getting around well, a it. A particular note was last week where I guess AEW beat Raw in the demo. Not in the totals, but in the demo. Um, 
Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I mean, but like they weren't particularly close in the totals, though, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I I don't. Here here's what's bugging me. I I don't know where. Okay, it was nine hundred fifty thousand last week for AEW. I am generally curious as who those hundred fifty thousand people are. Because it it's not from people from NXT, it's just 150,000 people, and I don't think Eric Bischoff moves that number. That's the thing, and it drives me insane Where when I think about it. It's like, okay, that's a pretty big swing. That's a significant portion of your viewership. And, and you know, this is back to more normal numbers for me. So, Is this statistical noise from the way they do ratings gathering? I don't know. Is that part of what's going on? I, I have no idea, but I think they're also, I mean, it, it, I, I don't understand ratings gathering as a science. Like I, I know it's, it's not polling and I know that we're not in the era where they put like the little box in with your TV now. And like you're a Nielsen family. Oh, yeah, like, I know yeah, we're they still out- do, I think I still think they, are they, they still, families. are they still doing the Nielsen family thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, how how are they? How do they arrive at these numbers? Yeah, it's and and, or, and the reason I'm asking, I'm like saying like these are all fake numbers, man. I'm just saying like depending on the methodology, we may need to stop looking at this week to week and look at it more like month to month. Right, and you know if you're doing a one on one match between NXT and and AEW, yeah, sure, okay, I will declare an or AEW the winner. That's it's not a problem for me. It's just one of those things where I'm I'm viewing this as wrestling being hot or cold and viewerships going up and down. I feel like that is when people are angry at us. I think that's the fundamental thing that they're missing is that our take is not rah, rah NXT or rah, rah AEW or one is good or one is bad. It's this like state of, interest in wrestling and you and I are trying to take a look at that and I think every indicator in terms of interest in wrestling is that it's down and so like there's a product AEW right now that is establishing some market share in a dwindling market of wrestling fans and like they're doing a good job at that and they're outperforming NXT and NXT is cruising into their 30th takeover and it's a very cool product right now and I don't mean cool as in rad I mean cool as in like icy um not a very hot product at all right now and they've cannibalized a lot of the magic of what made NXT work in the earlier years to get to this point to put them head-to-head against AEW so they changed who they were to go up against AEW who stayed who they were AEW prevailed because that's usually what happens when you change and the other people actually just keep being who they are Um, like all of that being said, the overall health of interest in wrestling, it's down. And I think a lot of us, I was in this camp thought that maybe COVID-19 and a smaller field of programming might get people to change the channel back to wrestling to come check it out and not, Instead, this new kind of like reverse narrative that has formed it like, well, you know, everyone's ratings are down right now because the COVID-19 thing. A lot of us went into COVID-19 looking at it as an opportunity. And I see no reason why it couldn't have been. But for the fact that um, AEW 
to a lesser extent, WWE to a major extent, really did not turn into the skid. They tried to fight it tooth and nail and pretend it wasn't happening. Yeah, I can talk advertising all day because I used to be in advertising um, <laughs> for a few That's years. what makes you like this. Well, I, I, like, I like hearing people tell me, <laughs> and I don't mean this in the mean way, but yes, I understand ratings means you can charge more for ads as a station. I get that. You know, but you got to tell me well, that. Well, you should get that before you have a podcast, you jerk. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, oh, that reminds me. We have an ad read. I forgot to download it. See, uh, you see there you go. <laughs> you should know about that in particular yeah, before know, podcast, you jerk. Well, I've been drinking. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, there, there are certain demos you want and things like that, but advertisers are kind of dumb too, if you think about it, because you, you can always tell. <laughs> when you get like a RFP from a client and you look at it and you go, this is what they want to do. And I just remember there, there, you remember that period of time. It was like three years ago where Cadillac was trying to market themselves to like mid twenties, urban professionals. <laughs> I'm just like, really? You're going to try and make Cadillac cool to young people. Okay. Good I mean, it is that. cool to young people. It's just they can't afford a Cadillac. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. Oh, drive the Cadillac Escalade. It's like, no, they're 25. You don't have that kind of money. But it wasn't even afford the, the Cadillac Escalade. It, was, it wasn't even the Escalade because because you know that was big in the in rap culture and hip hop culture and things like that. It was like it was like the 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 Cadillac touring car that they were trying to market to to young good-looking model hot people going to the club and stuff and you're just like no this isn't working this is this is an old person tank for grandma who can't stay in the right lane and whatnot i mean you know I, i'm looking at like i'm looking at the chart for ratings for uh for wednesday night and i'm like you could put on <laughs> i was trying to think of what was the dumbest kind of show you could put on and just get massive ratings and because real housewives of beverly hills is just killing everybody in the demo and in the watching that like, you know, discovery zone presents fornicating fatties or whatever, you know, 600 pound people find love and, and they do those kinds of shows and they get huge hit. I mean, getting a ratings bump is, is great, but it just depends on what the client, what they're, where they want to advertise and things like that. I understand the revenue aspects of it. I'm very happy for AEW. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that stuck out to me when we were preparing for this show here and taking a look at numbers is you sent me the list of the top 50 original cable telecasts on Wednesday here of this week, um, as you often do. And what sticks out to me is you have reality television, sports, Fox News programming, uh, more reality television, uh, Adam Devine's Shark Layer, is that a singing thing? Um, I... I <laughs> That's the guy from uh, Maroon Five, right? Uh, or is that Adam Levine? That's Adam Levine. Adam, I think Adam. That's Adam Levine. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. No. So like, this is all stuff that my parents, who are about the age of seventy, or people who are parents, would be watching. This is like fifty and up sort of demography television, and I think what that gets to is the fact that television is primarily not entirely obviously but primarily a advertising tool for 
people over the age of, let's say, 45, just to kind of keep this, you know, more generic here. And television, therefore, the programming will always be focused on that. So, like, a lot of this obsession over the, oh, the 18 to 34 demographic that's super important, I think that that as an axiom was more true in the past than it is now because more people are cutting the cord. And as time wears on, it will become increasingly less so. It will become increasingly about the old demo, um, that 50 and up demo, the 50 plus demo. Uh, that, I think, will be the major driver. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to find this ad read and I can't. Uh, well, I'll add it in. in post. So you're not even going to react to my my insight here about age and television changing of mediums. I got like into Neil Postman style territory, and I can't get any backup <laughs> I'm from too you. Worried about doing you, the ad read, right? I'm sorry. No, because you're not prepared for the show. You want to have a podcast. You think you're going to be some sort of Johnny Radio guy doing radio shows, but you don't even have your ad reads ready. No. So what the hell do you know? Mm. Uh, I know that the NBA regular season uh, in the P18-34 to did a point four zero. Uh So suck it, AEW, with your point one eight. <laughs> don't do that. I don't want to hey, No, they say, they say I don't have numbers, Jeff. They say they, they try to tell me I don't have numbers. Don't, don't be that guy. Don't read the comments. We'll do it. We'll do it on. Uh, B- I'm vamping because you don't have your damn ad. Read. You're right. I don't. I can't. I can't find it either. So it's gonna be. Oh, and I'm out of point. I'm out of points on this. Okay, I, unless fine. you want to toss me another subject, I can keep this show moving. <laughs> I just need to know where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> oh, um. Uh, I'm do do I? No, 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 no. I'm 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 ready. Right. I'm, we're just gonna talk. Are you are you ready now? You ready now? We're just gonna talk wrestling because I'm gonna have to edit the. Oh, you, you want to talk wrestling show. on the show? Yeah, uh, okay. let's start with AEW. I was very, very happy. Look, the uh, women's tag matches on on YouTube, nothing really to write home about, but I'm very happy at Nicole Savoy being brought in, uh, aka Lil Swole for those who did not know. But she was a comedy second banana in this match, but you could see the swagger. She just has so much personality and swag when she's out there. And, God, I'd love for them to sign her. She, If they could get past the fact that they really want Big Swole to be a star in this division, because Nicole Savoy is a veteran who has been around and everybody knows who Nicole Savoy is, in women's wrestling at least. And I think that's the, I think that's the bias against signing her. Is that, oh, well, she's a known quality and we want new stars here, so we're not going to sign Nicole Savoy for a long time. But Yeah, I mean, I think there is what we can refer to now as the warhorse trap where someone can be viewed in a certain light on the indies and then you try to bring it and put it in front of the television cameras and put it on TV and it just doesn't translate. Yeah, but uh, they... Out of the four teams on this show, they were the best ones of them. Uh, not a particularly high bar per se, but uh, in the other match, it was more of a story match anyways. Uh, you had Ivelisse and Diamante uh, defeating Dasha Curry, a.k.a. Dasha Gonzalez, who was thrown into the tournament, teaming with Rachel Ellering. And I know people, there were some critics who were like, man, Dasha looked terrible in this. Dasha was this. Dasha wasn't too bad for the amount of ring experience she's had, both since being taken out of the PC training 
part to be made an announcer, and then after her life, getting cut. She did fine, I thought. But, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting story if they decide to continue to give her matches to see her finally get a win over somebody. That, That would be interesting to me. Yeah, I like maybe having her on AEW Dark doing a storyline on there first, kind of keeping her on a lower profile, a lower profile circuit, and make sure that she's comfortable um, going for longer lengths of time. Happy that friend of the show, Heather Monroe, has put on uh, AEW this week. I did a uh, after buzz with her for, I think, a SmackDown a couple years ago. She's she's just a delight. I really like her a lot. I was happy that uh, was happy that she got some work. I hope she gets some more work in the future. Um, but this was Tag Team Appreciation Night, Chris. It sure was. A lot of and tag team matches. I will say this. Like, the opening match with the Young Bucks and Evil Uno versus – or Evil Uno and Stu Grayson – I thought that this was such a refreshing change of pace from the last several weeks of AEW crazy mayhem openers. This was just a tag team match, and it was a good one. Yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought the tag team matches were all pretty good on this night. I think a couple of them went a little long, to be honest with you, or at least one of them did. Um, maybe I'm thinking of the singles matches in in turn. We had. Uh, we had the two singles matches. We had Cody and uh, and and, uh, and oh, SCU. Scorpio, Scorpio Sky. Sky. God, Jeff, you can't drink before these shows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Scorpio Sky. I thought that was fine, although it just seemed like it seemed like they passed over the big Scorpio Sky character building they had done to get to Jericho in favor of the Brody Lee thing. And it was almost an afterthought because most of the work they did on the Sky character was on AEW Dark. And I'm hoping they're not falling into this trap that everybody watches everything they do. I think they are. I I really, because uh, I only watch Dynamite. And I do sometimes get the sense that there's other stuff going on in the extras. And it's important storytelling that is not being included in the Dynamite angles to make you feel connected to this stuff. Because... Scorpio Sky coming in, like, doing that little break-down-the-door entrance thing. I was like, that's weird. He's just going out to have a match that he's almost certainly going to lose to Cody. Right. He did He did a very intense promo on uh, AEW Dark about this match. And, and that's it's a foible that, you know, WWE does all the time where they do angles on social media, and then they refer to it, and they do the match on TV. Everything important needs to be on your television show. Everything important. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely show. agree. No, that should you, you can do extra stuff. You can build on stuff. You can give you know color to the lines, but the actual lines of the story you are trying to tell, uh, that all needs to be on the main show. I want to end with tag team appreciation. So uh, MJF and this campaign. It's driving a little hard into the camp for me. For a top heel, I, I it, for a secondary heel, it, it's fine. For a top heel, I kind of want him to be a little bit more serious, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, it's it's so campy at this point that you don't want him to win the title. And I'm not saying like I don't want him to win the title in the the kayfabe sense. Like I'm saying, I don't want him to win the title in this iteration of self. Yeah, 
It's a little, I mean, I don't want to say it, well, like. I and I the, did want him to win the title. Yeah. I, I think he's the guy. No, I, I that, that's, a, that's the thing I really hate about this is I, I think that MJF is the guy, but right now he's almost into Damian Sandow-ish sort of territory with this campaign stuff. I, I liked the callback to the MJF, if you hadn't seen this, when he's walking down the hall and he shoves the guy into the into the uh, into the wall and says, "Stay out of my shot," it's very similar to what Samoa Joe did to MJF when MJF was an extra on, on a taping for WWE once. It, it's very, it, it's a callback. It's a nice callback. It's the kind of callbacks I kind of like. Um, but yeah, the whole campaign thing to be a new champion. It's very, it's very Drew Gulak spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, th- there's that too. Little Drew Gulak on the PowerPoint presentation, little Damian Sandow, uh, intellectual savior of the masses kind of thing going on here. And yeah, uh, it takes what should be the big angle for Moxley. You have Moxley, the grizzled, fighting, scrappy champion, and MJF, the privileged guy. Like, and he, MJF should be the AEW champion. I I think that he's the right guy. He's a good promo, but like, I'm talking like the MJF and Wardlow standard iteration. He's MJF. He's the champion. He has a big heavy. Everyone think, I mean, it works even better once he's champion. You don't turn Wardlow until after that because you need to build this obvious what if of like, well, you've never beaten Wardlow. And everyone needs to go like, well, yeah, Wardlow's going to have your number for sure. Um, no, he's a great character, but this campaign stuff, it's grating. Um, and the like little flourishes that they add on to it, all the, the charts and his little PowerPoint presentation, his little sexist comments to uh, his, his Reba. I don't know. That, I mean, that's the other thing is they do a lot of tropes. Like, you know, uh, MJF now has a Reba character. <laughs> that's true the secret service stuff i you know i i can i can take it or leave it but uh yeah he, he's becoming a scenery chewing bad guy yeah no the- seeing that i could leave that stuff too i i don't if if he wanted to come out and cut promos with a campaign season sort of flavor about them that'd be one thing and that would be fine but when he actually tries to have full-on campaign events, that that's camp. Yeah. If he was just doing, like, ads, like 30-second bumps or something like that, I, I think I think less would be more. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have any thoughts on Jericho and Orange Cassidy? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, this, this was the night that Orange Cassidy was finally made a star. That was that was the whole point of this narrative arc, right? That we were really I, making him. I believe him? so. I'm 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 yeah. I'm scanning that for for sarcasm. I'm not sure. The the the, the second sentence, the that was the point of this whole narrative arc, was actually not sarcastic. The first sentence was deeply sarcastic. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was a rough match. I, I no, do. it was no right. No, it's a rough match. This is a rough angle. They oh, this angle overstayed its welcome. Yeah, no, the match itself was just simply not a very good match, right? Um, and worst of all, Orange Cassidy. Okay, he beats Jericho, but he beats Jericho with a little small package yeah. 
yeah, Ricky Steamboat style roll up thing. Um, and I like it works for Ricky Steamboat, but Ricky Steam like I don't want to break down the differences between Orange Cassidy and Ricky Steamboat. Let's just say low they are many. Um, like this is not what Orange Cassidy needed coming out of this. What he needed was a strong, decisive victory over Jericho, and instead, like he gets a banana peel finish to this little orange juice gimmick. Yeah, he needed the clean, uh, decisive win to me. I. I... I viewed this as the finish that you'd give Jungle Boy if he were going to beat Jericho, and you go, oh, my God, he's beating the champion or whatever. Yeah, this is the finish that Jungle Boy should have gotten in that you can't last 15 minutes mm-hmm. with me sort of match. Yeah. Um, yeah, instead of just going the distance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end on a segment I liked. I did not love it, but I really, really liked it. The Tag Team Appreciation Night skit where – they're doing the uh, the passive aggressive, you know. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a living. Well, that part wasn't passive aggressive. The passive aggressive part was, you know, kind of giving credence to the Bucks, and then the Bucks giving credence to FTR and and the tension there. But they're passing this mic around. Ricky Morton still babyface fire daddy will put over anybody at any time. Made my heart smile quite a bit. Yet Arn, you know, Arn's always going to have that kind of gruff respect type of notions where he says something and you believe it. So him putting over guys, but then they hand the mic to Tully and Tully's got the fire still, Chris Tully's still got that chip on his shoulder that I never got my due type of thing that he always had as a wrestler where it's the kind of chip Miz should have. And he kind of showed sparks of that during the, the talking smack era type of thing you know it, it's it's from that guy who's not the not the top guy but he's second on down and he's trying to as i like to say it he's trying to play the rich kid but the clothes don't quite fit they're still off the rack from a expensive department store rather than being custom made and tully brought some energy to this thing and i loved the attack on the rock and roll express i loved the uh the knee brace to the head and the spike pile driver and even the intrigue of, of is Arn in on it? Because when uh, Ty Dillinger came out, or Sean Spears, sorry, when Sean Spears came out, Arn leaves the ring. I really do. It, it turned from sappy nostalgia to a really good angle. Yeah, no, I thought that this was a little bit busy of an angle. I, I with Arn. Tully and rock and roll. A lot of people were talking. A lot of people were delivering the dialogue. But when we got to the meat and potatoes of this, which was the FTR turn, fine. I would have had, I mean, we've discussed this so at length. I would have had FTR do everything that they've done in their run thus far at half the speed that they've gone through all of these ankles. Like all of these, all of these different people that they've wrestled, they would have wrestled for multiple matches. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, a minor quibble. I like the pairing of them with the Rock and Roll Express. I, I expect them to have a pretty good and entertaining nostalgic match with the Rock and Roll Express here. And I like the intrigue of, is Arn scared of Sean Spears and scared of Tully still? And that's why he's having this conflict or is he um, under the, or is he pairing back up with Tully? As guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. 
from how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. Oh, I'm crying right now. I am a bald man. I lost my hair in my early 20s, started losing it in my late teens. Uh, we get into our 20s and 30s and we start noticing the first signs of hair loss. I I was known as a guy in college who only wore a ball cap and people didn't recognize me without a ball cap because I was so I was so taken by women saying I could never date a bald man. You know, I, I was really self self. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, it's one of those things where it's just it really took took to heart for me. Um, you know, I tried certain treatments, but they were expensive at the time and I couldn't afford to keep it up once I left college and once I was searching for a job out here in California. But uh, thankfully, now there's keeps a simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have it. It's probably too late for me at this point, but you used to have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription, and then you had to get it filled out at a pharmacy, and somebody yells, Hey, Baldy, come get your uh, come get your stuff to put on your head. They, they do not yell that at the pharmacy, well, pal. I, I, they, do, they do not go, Hey, Baldy. Come and get your bald pills, baldy guy. But the best way to prevent hair loss, I didn't get the pills at the time. To prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. Um, hey, Shine McBalderson, come get your bald <laughs> pills. Uh, at Keeps, you can visit your doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home, discreetly packaged. Make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. The doctor visits really what the awkward part is. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you're... <laughs> I've got these other patients to see today with real problems and you're here with your no hair, Jeff, huh? maybe you can talk to them about girls, too, while you're there. No, Mom. <laughs> but prevention is the key. You keep treatments... Keeps treatments typically take between six, four to six months to see results. So it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start as low as just 10 bucks a month, plus for a limited time you can get your first month for free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash shake ropes to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shake ropes. Once again, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shake ropes and start saving your hair for tomorrow. And we thank them for sponsoring Shake Them Ropes and shows for the Voice of a Wrestling Network across the platforms all month. So the main roster. Oscar and Bailey are still fantastic. That match on Raw was absolutely spectacular, I thought. Like, if they didn't have an inconsistent long-term narrative arc. Like if they knew where they were going for the last four months, think about how good just that one angle could be because Sasha and Bailey are killing it. Oscar works in this baby face character and the week to week stuff is very watchable. It's just a meandering story. Yeah. And you fold into that, especially on this raw show, this retribution story and this raw underground story, which I am under the impression that this was just something thrown on TV to try and get water cooler talk. I think the retribution angle was thrown on there just to say, 
oh, can you believe they're doing something like Antifa on WWE television? As opposed to having a long-term plan for it. I think it's much like the slaughter in Iraq angle. I really do. Um, Yeah, uh, this is a group that caused chaos and carnage, and they're hiding behind current events. Those are lines that I took from commentary here tonight. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, like, in all the writing uh, job things they say must have an ear for current events, I just think they're trying to take advantage of it. I don't think there's a big plan involved. I think they know who they want for this project now. Uh, although it seems to be changing because they had a few taller members of Retribution tonight. Uh, but I think it's just going to And they be... also just had more members of yeah. Retribution they're, tonight. They're doubling. They're recruiting. They're actually a, a legitimate faction that can recruit. So, hey. <laughs> in some ways, they are... I guess in that sense, they're better than the Dark Order in the sense that there's a lot of them and they largely look like wrestlers or whatever. But in many other ways, this is a less good version of the early iteration of the Dark Order gimmick. And I, it's very obvious they have no sort of like long-term sense of who, who the major players are supposed to be on the WWE side to save the day from retribution. It's going to be the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, I, I, are you pulling for the Forgotten Sons? I, I mean, I, I, your your guess is as good as mine. Or as, True as patriots, any, uh, true Americans, true red-blooded Americans coming to save the day against the forces of chaos that run our streets. <laughs> I mean, I could see this maybe stretching all the way out to Survivor Series where like the five members of retribution or whatever go up against the five members of WWE to save the the company. And Orton just RKO's them all. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, way. yeah. He, he he goes 5 it's 5-0 or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely 5-0 or it's or it's 4 or it's 4-1 at some point. You know, what one of the guys gets gets like a quick pin on Chad Gable or something. <laughs> Because it would be um, Chad His name Gable. is Shorty G. It would be it's Shorty, actually Shorty G. G. It's, it's Shorty G. His name is Shorty G. <laughs> and his one-week heel turn. We'll get to that in a second. Well, he's still... Well, okay, now he's a conflicted semi-heel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, depth. Uh, yeah, no, I, no. God, it's 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 like a deep lake. <sighs> the other thing on Raw, of some note, the other horsemen of the, of the original three of four that are on TV right now. Ric Flair doing an angle. I love Ric Flair, Chris. I am done with weepy crying. I just want to be one of the boys, Ric Flair. I am done with angles involving him. I am done with angles involving him and his daughter. I I, I, I want to leave the memories alone, and I can't because every time I think he's gone away to rest in retirement – and out of the spotlight, he comes back as part of the WWE. And the WWE never even liked Ric Flair for what Ric Flair was. Yeah, so they don't really present an interesting version of Ric Flair. It's just, like, nostalgia machine Ric Flair. And this... Post-92 Orton... Ric Flair. He's Ric Flair after... I mean, for even WWE, because even WWE, when he was considered great in WWE that 91 92 rumble 
run right. of yeah, his. Yeah, 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 right. He yeah, yeah, even, that run was good. He wasn't even Ric Flair then. He wasn't allowed to do, you know, the rich guy type thing. He was he was brought in there to, quote-unquote, be the real world champion, and then eventually, hopefully, to lose to Hogan. And then they never really cashed in on the Hogan-Flair program. He was there kind of to be like a, like a, almost uh, an avatar for that kind of character. And they never really got into the Flair character all that much. They treated him... A, quite fine i mean the the macho man angle you know the tag team with razor all those things were were well done but they never really rick flair wasn't going in there to be the guy he was going in there to be the guy to put over the guy and it shone through and then he comes back to wcw and he's doing you know especially in late stage nitro flair the crazy old man shtick where he's taking off his clothes and elbow dropping the jacket and you know just saying the early versions of those promos were awesome the later ones where it became a cover band of the early versions of those promos were not so fun yeah and then he when he came back to wwe he was the stockholder he was the president who they sold it to and then eventually became cover band rick flair there's no other way to put it where he was the older guy still dressing in the pink robe you know, trying to get one last pop and alimony money and whatever else he needed. And it was just, it was getting more and more sad. And now we're in, now we're into weepy old, do you still remember me and love me, Ric Flair? And I'm just like, I, where he's just, everybody's associated with, it's either Hunter or, or Randy goes, oh man, they're the best. They're the best. And, and he's a corporate shill in so many ways, which breaks my heart. Oh, man, nobody does it better than Vince McMahon. Nobody does it better than WWE. They're the best. They're the li- cause I, and I understand why he has to play the game, because you have family that works for them. And at the time, you had Arn, who was his best friend, working for them. But it's just one of those things where I watch and I go, Ugh. and then you get the dramatic moment, and is Randy going to punt him? And you get these geeks in retribution playing with the lights. And it's fine cover, but it's still... You're trying to build this emotional moment, and you have the AV club playing with lights and sound. I just... There was so much wrong It, it was this. too cute, right? Like, no, it's a fine magician's trick to cover, except that, really, the whole point of that spot, for it to work, is for us to have the heinous moment where Randy Orton's boot kicks 71-year-old Ric Flair's head and Flair is laid out. Like, we need to see that moment. We actually Mm -hmm. need to see that spot. And so trying to cut it out, like, this is not a uh, Hitchcock and Psycho moment, right? You know, where you just sort of imply the violence. You actually... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network need to see it in this case yeah and I think they just – I don't think he's cleared to do that. I don't think he's cleared to do that, which is why they did it. And, and, and I get that, and I respect that, but then you it really begs the question, why do the angle? Anything else from Raw that's uh, sticking in your craw? Uh, I hated the commercial break leading into the second half of that Flair segment. That was uh, really brutal. Um, oh, Raw Underground uh, continues to be – it's really something, Jeff. <laughs> what, you don't like Shayna Baszler beating up two people who obviously have never had a fight in their lives? Uh, Yeah, there was that, but, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what. My boy Riddick's strong. Uh, I am picking up the flame oh, from Riddick Rob Moss. McCarran. Riddick Moss. R- yeah, Riddick, yeah, Riddick Moss. See, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Riddick Moss, he, he had a good little thingy. I, I, He's they, a great Do they call athlete. the matches underground? Do they call them thingies? He's he's the guy that always excels in the NXT combos that they have, or combines. Not com- combos are pretzels and cheese. Combines are uh, athletic competitions. I do one and not the other. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like Bianca Belair is like the combine monster for, for the women. Rick Moss is the combine monster for NXT. I mean, he is legitimately a great athlete who was reduced to, you know, Mojo Rawley's friend, turned on him and became 24-7 champ and then went the way of the dodo. Um, yeah, I, I I think he, I mean, look, if we, we say this over and over on this show, if used correctly, but they never want to do that. So, you know, Rick Moss is going to have to learn something about his personality. He's going to have to learn to dance or he's going to have to learn to sing or tell jokes or dress like a clown or juggle or spin plates and then he'll get over yeah, uh, I think the important thing to remember for WWE main roster and increasingly so in NXT is uh, this is a theater program, 
at the end of the day. You you are you're out there performing a character. Yeah, you're out there to make people smile. Um, yeah, uh, they're into that. They like that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. I mean, I I did not enjoy Raw for the most part. I thought the wrestling was pretty good, but it's just these angles are just. Over. Like, I'm done with the Street Profits and Andrade there's and Zelina. N- I there's no I guess Rico Zelina Rico. didn't poison be or uh, didn't poison. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Montez. Montez. Yeah. I, God. So it's either Retribution or it's Dawkins. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It could be Dawkins, couldn't it? Yeah. It could be. We're oh we're gonna break him up now because Montez is the Shawn Michaels. Uh, I hope not. But. What else are they going to do? There's no reason Bianca Belair should be having that much trouble with Zelina Vega in a one-on-one match, though. That that killed me. I was like, she should be killing this woman. Yeah, no, that should have that should have been a blowout. Yes. Yeah, it really should have been, especially with the way they presented Bianca Belair, and they even use the term powerhouse when they talk about her, which is you know what they say when they're talking about people like Nia Jax or Tamina, um, you know, the the strong women. So, yeah, I know. This really should have been a blowout. So, going over to SmackDown, very, very interesting in some ways to me. Chris, if you're going to have referees for a battle royale, or battle royal, depending on how you say it, shouldn't they be there to basically say, no, you broke the rules, this person can go back into the ring and into the match because of chicanery? Yeah, I mean, like, that. that is the point <laughs> of having officials. Uh, I, I just, I'm watching that, I'm going, you're right there, ref. You see somebody who's already been eliminated has eliminated somebody else. Let them back in. Nope, can't do that. Uh, see, I thought you could, uh, I, I WWE goes back and forth on this. I thought people who were eliminated from the match can eliminate people. Uh, if it's good for an angle there will be a call on there saying it was unfair and so-and-so is not eliminated. But they do it for storyline purposes. They're just never consistent about it. It's another one of their inconsistencies in storytelling. Yeah, no, it's it's a big problem. That said, sure. we got to see Sasha and Bailey's ring-announcing skills, which were... I laughed at it. I don't know if anybody else. They continue to be no. They continue to be really, really entertaining. And like the only thing I have to say about this is the only way it could be better right now is if they had a solid long term angle that like they knew where they were going from week to week Uh, because they they're killing what they have to work with. It's just like they can't plant seeds and foreshadow and do all the fun stuff of characterization because they don't know where they're going. Now, I liked the reveal of Asuka and how they did that, where she was on the card and it wasn't expected and they read it that way. The problem with that is Shayna Baszler was already announced for this match and she didn't get an entrance at all. And I think she's a major part of the Raw angle in there. And I I thought that was was a bad thing for me. I, I just, it's one of those things where where, look, you're either going to have to give everybody an entrance and then do the reveal, or you're going to have to do that reveal first thing, and then everybody else comes out into the ring because the people you announce, I mean, it, it's it's fine as it was written. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's you know, rule of threes type thing almost with, uh, you know, you have the Iconics, you have Lacey Evans, and you, or you have Tegan and, and uh, Shotzi, and then you have Lacey Evans, and then on the fourth one, you do the reveal, but I, I just think it gives short shrift to Shayna and the character she does. Although, 
one of the long-running storylines in this women's division, you have three of them right now. You have Bailey can't win a one-on-one match against Asuka. Sasha Banks has never successfully defended her title uh, on a pay-per-view. And then Shayna Baszler always loses because she's going for this damn choke. <laughs> it happened again, Chris. And she got pulled up on the top and dumped. And it always happens in a, in, in a battle royal for some reason. She can't win these things. I, I don't know. I love the thought of having two Oscar matches on a card. I hope they don't make it a three-way. I hope they make it or two out of three with the first fall being for Raw or the second for being SmackDown. I want to see Sasha Bailey, and or not Sasha Bailey, I want to see Sasha Asuka and Bailey Asuka. But they didn't take a lot of care of, of Shayna here. No, they didn't. And this seems to be a character that Vince does not have his teeth sunk into, narratively speaking. Uh, they, sometimes you can tell when he's really interested in a new toy and he really wants to present someone as a killer and Chad it should have that mystique but especially because she's sitting in this weird not really baby face but sort of tweenerish role right now I, I just don't think they're finding finding the thing that makes Shayna Baszler click all right talked about shorty G I'm is it Seamus's broke kicks that turn him baby face and heel? <laughs> I think what he's trying to do now is an homage to the big show. And he wants to turn face and heel at more times in one year than the big show did. Well, we just Also, what is Seamus? Because I thought Seamus was going back and forth, too, because he put him up against... Uh, or are they just going to do the rugged individualist thing with him where he's like, he just doesn't like people, so he'll fight Baron Corbin if he wants. Yeah, no, I, I think that this is a – all of this stuff that's happening with Corbin and Shorty G and Sheamus is all very, very forgettable stuff. Grand Metalik pinned Nakamura clean. Go back Boy. to 2013, me, and I would have never said that ever happened. Yeah, that was – that's an interesting little moment in time here. Uh, Grand Metalik's a guy who I think has been criminally underused, oh, yeah. uh, but – you know, so it's Lucha not House Kimura, party if is, you think about it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that, well, okay, uh, I don't know, I, I think that Grand Metal League showed up with his working boots on, and I think uh, Shinsuke Nakamura showed up and understood how the WWE game is played, and uh, I, you know, I like, I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase, I don't think Nakamura has turned in the Nakamura-level matches that we expected him to turn in during his run here in WWE. If you were not a fan of TNA, then you are unaware of the greatness of a character named Joseph Park Esquire, who was, on TNA, comedy purposes, one of the better things they've done. There's about three or four things that I've really loved about TNA and Joseph Park Esquire, a.k.a. Abyss is one of them. We kind of had Joseph Park's debut here on SmackDown tonight, playing the uh, statistician. I believe he was an accountant or a statistician for AJ Styles and his uh, <laughs> phenomenal intercontinental statistics system, a.k.a. PISS. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, always 
always happy to see the artist formerly known as Abyss on my TV. I think he's great. His facials are phenomenal. No, um, his facials are amazing, right? Yeah, like, like he t- has like classic comedy timing facials. There were two great comedy moments on this SmackDown. There was that when he was like he was like when he uh he said something and 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 uh the, the the character just reacts with that look of horror like how can you possibly say that right now it was there was that and at the beginning of this women's battle royale you have all these women lined up across from each other except for tamina and they both all run at each other tamina just kind of throws her hands up and goes what the hell <laughs> it was one of the better things go seek those out but yeah no i i liked these segments aj seems to be having a blast with him when he works with his friends um so and i i like aj as kind of i like cocky heel aj more than i like inspiring babyface aj yeah i think inspiring babyface aj there's just not a lot to that character um as especially he's better in wwe like he's just very generic mm-hmm. as inspiring babyface aj whereas i think when AJ during that new Japan run really was able to tap into his heelness and really kind of get that cocky heel thing going, that was good. And I, I don't, is Joe Park around? Like, is he going to be a regular feature of this? Do we know? I do not know, but he is a producer with WWE now. No, if Joe Parks is a regular feature of this AJ title run, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think he's a really fun guy for AJ to play off of. Well, especially like, you know, when he's yelling at him about the permanent marker on the board. I mean, if you want a camp character, you know, AJ's at least going to. God, this is this could go MJF territory, though, too. Right. No, he could be essentially like a Wardlow type guy, like but like with with the a comedy element. Yeah, to it. no, I'm just thinking we might be hypocrites for liking one and not liking the other. I, well, I don't dis. Well, okay. So they're accomplishing different things. Okay. So I, I I get that. So like let's let's break down this. Okay, you guys are hypocrites. Criticism that are, you, you're like I'm anticipating out here. Twitter. <laughs> no. So like let let's get into it. Let's preempt Twitter then. Okay. So AJ Styles is what champion? He's the Intercontinental Champion. And is he currently on a trajectory to become the universal champion or the top of the card champion equivalent? No. So you're making a very good point. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, and that's that's one of the big differences. Also, AJ Styles is not doing a full-on campaign thing. Like, the statistics thing is stupid. However, that being said, um, I, I would say to these same people who hypothetically exist that are out there who think we're hypocrites, if you like Jericho's demo god stuff, um, then AJ Styles is I'm doing statistics stuff. Uh, I, well, I mean, you could argue that maybe that's a joking on the square thing about the ratings talk. Anything else from the main roster? Um, uh, the Antifa angle is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's really bad. Chris, it, I mean, they opened the bathroom and someone was in there. I was no, they, the worst part though, Jeff, is they locked that poor man in the bathroom with his own poop. He should have locked the door in the first place. <laughs> but then he was locked. I'm glad. I'm glad that the talent got back there and they mercifully freed that man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we. Oh, don't forget about Squeewee Woo, Squeewee Woo. We gotta talk about the fiend. 
Squee-wee-woo. Oh, look, I I don't mind a story where if you face the fiend, you get changed because it seems to be something that they've been doing for a while. See Seth Rollins. See Daniel Bryan. The Braun promo. I... The, the, the cadence of the promo, I, I truly hate the WWE promo style where it it, it starts with, with kind of the qualifier of they say, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like when Seth was going an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye, and I kept yelling a tooth for a tooth, a tooth for a tooth. But, you know, they, they have the cliche meter on high for the beginning of the promo, and then they find it's almost like they're avoiding the promo in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, a fair way of putting it. And then we get into the Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman relationship, which... Alexa making chicken salad out of chicken crap here, I thought. I thought I, she she's doing... Good. Yeah, no, right. Like, like there's, there's absolutely nothing to work with in terms of their background other than... That fun little tag angle from when they were a mixed tag. Um, on Facebook. That, on Facebook, right. And those were fun little matches. Those were actually, like, that was an entertaining little format that they came up with. Um, but it was not even included in WWE canon on the main roster at the time. Did somebody ask us if they were doing face-off? Yeah. Someone asked us if, like, there was a character switch, like, if... The fiend like a Freaky and Braun- Friday thing where they jumped, uh, where they jump jumped bodies. bodies. Yeah, like and, and so at the end it was actually so Braun stuck doing, doing in the, the television fiend. show. <laughs> no, 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 no. So like uh, when he summons the fiend, like uh, essentially at the end there. So you have the fiend standing over Alexa. What uh, was being asked is, was that really Braun trapped in the fiend's body? And was the fiend really brawn in the Titan Tron? Like when Nick Cage and uh, okay, so John answer, Travolta answer the swap question. face. So I my believe no. I think so <laughs> I think what's happening is that I thought I was gonna say I thought Alexa was possessed, but that doesn't even feel right now. Um I think what's happening is a dumb angle. Yeah. Because I, I was kind of hoping, I was hoping we'd see Glitter Glitch Sparkle Alexa Bliss from NXT come back. And just Nikki Cross looking at her going, what the hell happened to you? And, and the Nikki Alexa dynamic going into this uh, also they just... They dumped it. They dumped a storyline. The du- no, right. It, it, and it's what makes, it's what makes watching this product right now so frustrating to me. Um, I was actually, uh, have you seen the show Z Nation? No. Is that kind of based on uh, the zombie thing? Yeah, it's zombie apocalypse stuff, right? So I I was bored. I decided that I needed to have something on while I was doing housework or whatever. And Z Nation has become that, like, TV crap that's on the TV while I'm doing other stuff. Um, The problem with that show is the exact same problem that, that happens with WWE, where they keep changing the rules on stuff, and so nothing matters. Um, And with... You know, Nikki and Alexa, like they just dropped this angle. So why why did I really want to invest in them in the first place? And what was the point of me getting involved in them as friends for the last six to eight months? Right. 
Yeah, I. I don't know. I I I I. I think they've just drawn focus. I think it's like, well, Nikki's done, and we got to heat up Alexa, so let's just drop that story in the first place and do something with Alexa here. That that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, but like the Alexa thing came out of left field, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying too. And whereas the Nikki and Alexa split is a time honored wrestling arc you could even say it's a little bit stale but whatever sometimes stale works or you know trope works um they dropped that for just an out of right field sort of angle uh, oh yeah oh uh, braun alexa that was a thing remember that speaking of time-tested tropes it's a very good segue i will defend and i know a lot of people were negative on this on on the twitterverse when watching nxt I thought that the fireball spot with Keith Lee was very well done. I'm not going to justify the story necessarily, but as a special effect. Look, I grew up in the 80s when Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, Jim Cornette, they were all trying to light flash paper to get a fireball going. And it looked hokey as hell at the time, but it was treated as death. So I thought the fact that this went off without a hitch. I thought that was spectacular, Chris. I, I, it looked good. I'm just like, I'm wondering. I get that Karrion Cross is a goofy character. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I, yes. I'm not, I'm not on board with Karrion Cross or Scarlet, but put that all to the side and just think of it as a, as a special effect production in a television show. Damn, that was one of the better-looking fireball spots I've ever seen That's in my life. That's what I was thinking, too. I watched that. I went, wow, that was smooth. That was, I mean, and I, you know, I've been wa- watching fireball angles for years. and I Right, just thought, yeah, no, I've seen a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, no, the, that was a really good-looking one, and, and they can look like shit. Yeah, I'm, look, I, I think part of the reason people are tuning out of NXT is because of this, you know, heavy on the supernatural type of gimmick type of thing. And I, I think that I also have come to the conclusion that Karrion Cross, if he gets on the main roster, will be over like Rover. I think this is a main roster gimmick. It's, you know, you got the blonde. Oh, this, this if they out. can ever get back in front of crowds again, like I think that that entrance is going to kill in front of yes. large audiences yes. if the gimmick can last to that point. And horny guys are going to love Scarlet. We can say it out loud, okay? I, I, You know, it's made for that. It's made for guys to go gaga over Scarlet and think Karrion Cross is a badass, much like, you know, a Goldberg-type character, just an ass-kicker. And people are going to be excited that first time he's on the main roster. They're going to go, oh, crap, here he comes, when he destroys Apollo Crews or... Mustafa Ali or Ricochet or whoever. whoever Don't forget about Cedric Alexander. Whoever your darling is, he's going to die at the hands of Karrion Cross. But they don't want, but NXT was kind of built on almost being a territory style wrestling promotion. And so this kind of crap turns off a lot of people who loved what NXT used to be. I mean, there's that, like the entrance is just so much bigger Mm-hmm. than any other entrance that anybody else gets that it doesn't the entrance does not fit this territory and when Karrion Cross comes out it's like it is it's a big 
WrestleMania entrance in the middle of a house show, and then we return back to house show entrances. Although, like, I, I, what I think of last week is, uh, or what I think of from last week is, he comes out, he does his big entrance, and then Dijakovic has to come out and, like, just walk through all of that fog. Yeah, and then D- Danny Burch had to do the same this week. Yeah, no, it's goofy. It makes whoever has to walk out through it look ridiculous. Follow that. No, and then well, yeah, and if they like make fun of the smoke thing, then you take away from the mystique exactly. of carrying cross. You so you can't do that either. So it, it's a really, it's a terrible in between. And I'm not like this is the stripped down version of the entrance. Oh, what was that? I remember like that there was more to this entrance at one point. Yeah, everybody has. To, yeah, oh no, she she used to lip sync all the way. She down. used to lip sync. There was like more lights. There was like a black and white filter thing when they were coming out. Like there was a lot of stuff going on at one point. Yeah, I was trying to th- and I remembered what I was going to say and was during the AEW segment. Jim Ross absolutely burying like hard cells of interaction and things like that, where it's like, uh, where Tony's doing the hype for the, uh, for the hashtag that you enter and you win a chance for a zoom meeting. And, uh, and Jim Ross is basically saying, and a new car. It's like, no, Jim, you're sp- Jim. You cannot be making fun of certain things during even the show. crapping on picture in picture. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I hate picture in picture. I have, there have been a number of times where I've had to rewatch wrestling shows because of picture in picture, because uh, I will fall asleep while I'm watching it. Like, it is bad. It, it, I can't stay focused on the action that's in the ring. It, like, I just, now I have to just skip past it. It's completely lost time for me. But I don't need commentary taking it out of picture in picture in the sense that it's not doing the brand any favor when Ross is observing that picture and picture sucks. If yeah. they're going to do something about it, do something about it. If they're not going to do something about it, just act like, oh, we're going to picture in picture now. You have a role to play, and you need to play that role and not break character. And that's, you know, to, to bring it back to NXT, that's, you know, you can't comment on the entrance in any way otherwise, and, unless it's in awe. Man, can you believe that entrance? You have to put it over. Otherwise, otherwise it's going to be like uh, the boogeyman debut in OVW where Santino basically cost Jim Cornette his job because Cornette tried to fight him because Santino laughed at it the whole time and, and it's like no you have to play your part um velveteen dreams back yeah <laughs> hey well you know i was gonna ask you who's this uh up and coming guy uh kushida tell me it, anything you know about uh, him he was a very famous super junior uh very famous junior heavyweight uh super oh junior man I'm, well, I'm excited to see what he does here on the nxt decided roster. to take He's... his chances in america um yeah. rolling the dice and uh, and has been treated exactly like a Japanese talent who comes to WWE, with the notable exception of Oscar, who I think is the like only success story. It took Oscar a while, though. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I was just thinking about it, especially when I was watching Kushida this week. I was like, wow, it's really amazing that Oscar is actually certifiably what you could call a success story at this point, given the terrible trajectory of some other Japanese talent that have come over here and tried their chances. And quite, and we thought they were can't miss good, you know, blue chip stock. And quite frankly, it took a rib putting her on commentary to really put the rocket on her. That's that's the thing. No, it's true. They kept her streak. They kept her streak solid until Charlotte broke it. 
And then they built her up again to put her in the three-way with Becky and Charlotte again to put over supposedly Charlotte, but then Becky got over. And then and then it became the COVID era. And it's like, well, let's send let's send uh let's send Asuka out there to do commentary because she's so funny doing the screaming and stuff. And it just got over. And it's like, okay, great. And now she's again a killer, which I love. Um call me. But uh <laughs> yeah, no, I I yeah, it, it's it's they found it by accident rather than by plan. And the things that they plan to do there's always a logical faux pas in there. I mean, the, the Daniel Bryan plan to get you over by beating you a lot. It, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. But they think it does. So, um, sorry, where were we? Oh, Velveteen Dream. Uh, I, I mean, I guess on that, I would just say they're going to do what they want to do. And it's almost like success is... The success of getting a character over as in... in by over... By over, I mean not just with support among wrestling fans, although that's important, but over more broadly, as in, like, you know, the type of wrestler that sports athletes like to quote, the type of wrestler that comedians will reference and that sort of thing. Um, they don't they don't really focus on that as an outcome. Well, that, and they also don't like ass kickers. They only like having one ass kicker. And it has to be your top guy. Or, or woman. There can't be more than one ass kicker in there because then, then nobody's an ass kicker kind of thing. That's that's kind of what they think. But, you know, on the flip side, you take. I love this Io Shirai promo, Chris. I thought, Oh, yeah. No, I thought this was great. Was I thought a, this was really well put handled. put her over as a badass. It told Dakota Kai's complete story uh, from turn to whatever. It explains why they're not friends, even though they're kind of on the same side for war games, so to speak. And I thought the Dakota Kai promo before that was pretty good but the Io Shirai one st- stood out to me and Io Shirai's over in NXT because she's a badass you know and she's respected by those NXT fans I, I but just, even that required a faux pas of the heel turn yes which was ill-advised it didn't really take yeah um like Santos Escobar I, I mean, I think he's great. You know, I, I like him as an in-ring talent. I this this Legato de Fantasma thing does nothing for me. Um, although I did like this Tyler Breeze match. It's a great gimmick, the uh, the Legato del Fantasma thing. It's just they have to, like like we said, there's especially when deconstructing these things and when you're writing screenplays and stories or doing improv shows, so to speak. It, you ha- you have a you've you've made something true in the world okay what does this mean now what you have to give it some depth you have to give it that second second step in there and they have not done that with this legato del fantasma thing and that's what's dri- it's just it's just a marketing slogan yeah like why does anyone covet the cruiserweight title well, why example. do they cover the cruiserweight title? Why do they take the masks off per se? Let let's do a little bit more in depth on that. Why are these two other guys drawn to this type of thing? You know, what are they getting out of it? How how are they getting better by being associated with but with Cuerno? You have all these stories to tell, but it's you just, don't want to have the Lucha House Party necessarily down there. But they seem like they actually are an important component in getting over Legato del Fantasma. I. 
I would do them as an anti-Lucha House Party story. Right, yeah, no, exactly. No, I, I, so I think it's important to actually have Kalisto, um, the new, sh- newly shredded Kalisto. My goodness. Go up, yeah, yeah, no, he looks great. Um, going up against Iho uh, Del Fantasma here. But I think um, you can hold that off for a while while you tell the story. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just, I think, like, it's the big problem of, know where you're going with the story and then write it backwards and um right now so much of this stuff is just being written forward and being written from week to week uh so chris velveteen dreams back yeah no he actually (laughs) stepped on kushida's big return like my, my favorite thing is like tonight was supposed to be the big return of kushida but then they had question mark question mark question mark also in the main event so Kushida makes his big return, and they kind of get over putting that on commentary. And then Velveteen Dream is back. Yeah, I think the company needed to put out a statement. I I just do. I mean, look, I know not a lot of people know about Velveteen Dream, but I think more people know than they think people know. I just, it's, if he's been cleared... Of all charges, we need to know that, I think. Yeah, no, right. If he's been cleared, I, I want to know that. I think, and, and we need to know that for his sake. Because yeah. it's not, if he's been cleared of these things, then it shouldn't be hanging over his head. Conversely, if he has not been cleared of these things, I guess I don't understand why he's making his big re-debut. Yeah, um, and in a in a more perfect world... In a pro wrestling world, in a pro wrestling territory, Cameron Grimes would probably be my B-level top heel. I love this guy. I love, I love delusional heels, and he is absolutely delusional. And I love him. And I, I, love I would tone him. him down just a little bit. I, I would tone a him down j- just a little. But like, no, like. The idea that he just thinks he is the coolest thing since sliced bread, that, you know, he's the hottest thing this side of the sun. And he has a killer finisher, which helps, too. Yeah, and and the cave-in. Also, he does get big clutch wins. Like, they've found a way to kind of deliver. He delivers the goods enough that he can sort of stroke his own ego bigger than it needs to be like they've done a nice job managing this character with wins and losses a bit i i but see he's a guy that you can't put in big matches you need to have him just do squashes up until your pay-per-view and then you put him in a big match he wins one he loses one here but then you build him back up with squash matches because you continue to have him get beat by champions and stuff. He doesn't feel as special. No, I, this- I agree that you got. This is why you got to get him these. The, the other building wins are these wins in these multi-man matches where he can say he's got a win over these people, but it's not a clean win. But he reminds me so much of. I, I guess. For me, it would be 1985 era Jimmy Garvin, where he's just coming out there playing playing with his hair kissing his squeeze and just 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 i'm gonna beat wahoo mcdaniel in that indian strap match at the, you know and saying the vaguely racist things that jimmy garvin would say during that thing but he was always just so delusional and just didn't care about anything except the fight and kissing his woman that's all he cared and, and i just love the <laughs> I, 
I don't even know if you need to tone it down because for WWE, this is what they do. And this is how you get over is by, by being a little bit too big by half, but just the, the, the balls on this guy to be doing that kind of promo after just getting his ass beat the previous week. I love it. I want more Chris and the underappreciated thing. I have kind of, I haven't quite turned the corner yet, but I like it. I like the interplay between Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez in this Robert Stone brand. So they actually have settled in on the Mercedes is just using the Robert Stone brand to her own devices. But they've also settled in on Aaliyah knows Mercedes is way out of her league. And looks to her for approval at every given moment. Like they're walking down the ramp. And she acts cocky for a moment, and then she takes a peek at Mercedes to make sure Mercedes approves of it. Um, I thought they had a pretty good double team maneuver there with the uh, with the cutter slash uh, wheelbarrow move. I thought that yes, was yes, that neat. looked good. Yeah, no, that was that was good leadership in the tag stuff, and I even liked. You, you want to talk about beats in terms of dynamics and showing and not telling. I liked the part where Mercedes was getting the jump on. Uh, who was she getting the jump on? She was getting the jump on somebody. And Aaliyah comes in to help, and initially Mercedes just pushes her out of the way. Yeah, that was... Uh, actually, no, that was uh, Rhea Ripley when Rhea Ripley came in. And Rhea I kept, Ripley, that's and right. I dug that because I liked, I liked that Mercedes was just there for the fight, and she was waiting for Rhea to stop that stupid stomping on the ramp and just come in here and let's fight. And she wasn't backing down like a coward. She was like the hell with this. I'll fight you right now. And I'm into that because, you know, I love Mercedes Martinez. Everybody knows this, but I thought that was pretty well. I don't care for Casey Catanzaro. (laughs) I just think it looks like a child is in there getting her butt kicked all the time. Yeah, I feel like there's a way for her to work. There there is a way for her to work. They're close Um, to it. They're they're almost there. Yes, and and I've said before, I'll say again, I like her in a tag act. Uh, I don't think Caden Carter is the right pairing. I see Caden as more of a singles star. Um, And I see Casey being paired more with someone like Raquel Gonzalez, someone who's real big. the, The David Goliath team. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, the the, you... the the butcher and the blade, if you will. <laughs> oh, you, okay. You uh, need Casey I, with a t- monocle. That's what we need right now. This is tangential, but I I liked um, the butcher and the blades little um, talk about, like, how they like the Road Warriors or whatever. I found Kenny Omega and Adam Page's weird little blurb. Um, where like Omega's like my favorite team is the Young Bucks, and then Paige equally as weirds like I think it should be us, which both are like really weird answers, right? Like those are both <laughs> the wrong answers. Like you're supposed to answer a team from history that that is good, that is universally agreed. Like a contemporary team, let alone your own like work contemporaries, is like weird and like oddly sycophantic, and then it's also weird and um self-obsessed to say your favorite tag team is yourself <laughs> no i, I I'm, i'll back off my statement for a second because it looks like i mean with the matching gear it looks like Lacey lane and casey cattens are at least being te- teased as a team of some point i just want them to do more team stuff to compensate for the lack of size versus doing their individual gymnastic stuff to show us how good they are at gymnastics 
it was it was a problem I kind of had. If you remember that Heath Slater Justin Gabriel team in WWE, which I thought could have been outstanding, but they were just kind of there to do the things that they did, as opposed to be a real team. Like if 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 Caden and Casey were doing like tag 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 double tandem, team double and, team and, double and team and just double series team. of tandem. No, yes. right? Like like they, they they should be all tempo and tandem. Like, they should be doing what this AEW women's tag team tournament should have been looking for, in my estimation, and having, having that one team that just really gels as a team all of a sudden and is doing all sorts of double-team moves as opposed to, you know, you kind of get close to that with the Swole family. I think they want that kind of chemistry for Allie and Brandy. I don't see it necessarily. But, yeah, to, you know, they're the smaller, you know, they, they could be the Rock and Roll Express slash fantastics of the women's tag division across all brands. You could bring in Sasha and Bailey and give them an upset win per That's se. That's where I see Casey Cat Nazaro's role in the wrestling ecosystem ultimately being is like being the Ricky Morton yes. person who gets the heat and you build up to the person for the big tag. And, and you also intermittently have her do little Rey Mysterio light style spots yeah i think they're relying too much on timing spots and that's the thing yeah no i agree right now they certainly are i don't want timing spots i don't because those always get messed up i want double team spots that look like damage type of thing and and them doing them together and just continually doing kind of the southern tag you know isolate an opponent and if, if you really want to get them over you give them a squash match and you have them do the Southern tag style where they isolate a person and they do all these tag team moves and they just keep tagging in and tagging in and you, you get. Yeah. The- yeah. They would actually be huge beneficiaries of a series of squash matches where they're just annihilating heel opponents. Yeah. And, and-, and they're annihilating heel opponents with tempo. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be anybody bring That's when you bring in your local competitors or whatever, or someone not on TV. The mistake they always make is they bring someone of name value in there. No, yeah, they, no. I'm, I'm talking about, like, yeah, faceless faceless heels. Faceless yeah. heels. Six months out of wrestling school. And we're going we're yeah. gonna to give you a chance to – all you got to do is sell. Because yeah, right, yeah. All they're being asked to do is sell. And you, and you maybe maybe have, like, a veteran person paired with them, and they, they don't ever even get tagged in unless something really goes crazy. Um, like, yeah, no, re- real easy stuff. Um but yeah, no, it's just gotta be. It, it, there, there needs to be more establishing work done. And but that, you know, and that's how yeah. you build those two up as a threat. Yes, as exactly. opposed to you know the power of Mercedes and the speed of Aaliyah or whatever. It's what differentiates. And, and then them. feebly trying to talk up, feebly trying to talk up uh, this team on their way to the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's they don't. Oh look, they're friends. They're hugging each other. Whatever. No, make them. You know, you can do. You can do. It's a theme of this show almost now. You can do things with people if you take the time to think about it and what would make them better to make them look better on TV. That's all you gotta do. And it. Yeah. No, you have control of the pencil. You just actually have to think about why you're doing this. Almost anything is possible in in creative world creation. Um. If you allow enough time for it, audiences are willing to go with you in many, 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 many directions. Yeah. They, they, they'll do it, 
but you have to convince people of it and just set the table. Know why you're going there. Yeah, I mean, we'll all go along for the story. That's the weird thing is we, we will all go along for the story. But, um, yeah, uh, anything else uh, from from all these things? Uh, <laughs> next week we get Gargano and, uh, and Ridge Holland. I'm kind of interested. This is in interesting. I, what I thought was interesting with this is it's, to me, foreshadowing that Karrion Cross is going over here because we're already turning Ridge Holland face. Yeah, um, some reports coming out of the tapings. Gargano got hurt during the match, and they kind of had to redo some things. So that'll be interesting, interesting as well. Uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I think they're doing a lot more gray area type characters now. I think that's going to be the goal. Yeah, yeah, I, but I do see. I mean, I see the heating up of Ridge Holland into the babyface column as a way of foreshadowing that we are moving into the Carrion Cross era of NXT. I'm fine with what, that. The, the problem is, again, I don't know that I am. I don't know that I am because I think Carrion Cross creates real booking issues at the top of the card. I like. I like him. I think he's. I think he's a good. I don't wrestler. think it's time to take the belt off of Keith Lee when you've just. Established I completely him. disagree. No, and I think it's so stupid that they're going into Takeover Thirty, and you have this opportunity to do something like really unprecedented and build the whole show around Keith Lee and him defending two titles, and instead, like they've done this. Yeah, unless the plan is to bring Keith Lee up and just beat him here, and then it's like, well, he was in NXT, now he's in the big leagues. Let's see what he can do. Oh, yeah, and if that's the case, then TakeOver 30 might be a very auspicious show. Um, have- the start of the Karrion Cross era and uh, the cannibalization of the Keith Lee push. Oh, that's the other thing. What did you think of the... Uh, und- <laughs> See, it's weird because you think the Undisputed Era might be turning babyface because of the whole Pat McAfee thing. And they come in here and they just beat the crap out of uh, out of Drake Maverick. Yeah, well, okay, but then also Pat McAfee comes out and says, like, I'm going to destroy all of NXT. So, yeah. here, I'm going to throw this down at you. Pat McAfee, leader of Antifa. <laughs> they're they're, all, a, they're all working for him. You mean a yes. retribution or of Antifa? I, no, of both. Of both. We're going to send them to Portland and try and burn down a courthouse? Yeah, yeah they, they're going to... They, I hope that they set up their own autonomous zone. So I hope that they oh, raw my. underground becomes the <laughs> retribution I hope autonomous it's in catering. zone. I hope they set up the retribution <laughs> yeah. zone, uh, the retribution <laughs> autonomous zone, or Raz, in yeah, the back. Raz, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. I'm into this. They, they're gonna set up uh, their own government. It's yeah. probably gonna be a plutocratic <laughs> oligarchy of some kind. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm based on very... Marxism and. <laughs> <laughs> will there be yeah. cops allowed will the, if the if the mounty came back there would he be allowed in catering there there are a lot of open questions here no um so i i think to get us back to no uh, don't get undisputed. us back we've already just no we, we can say okay so pat mcafee is the leader of antifa slash retribution mm-hmm. um and he comes in the next week and he demands that there's gonna be big changes in raw underground that it's uh it needs regulation, and um, maybe he implements it. <laughs> I like he puts uh, he makes the strippers dress more modestly. They become right to censor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Let's turn retribution slash Antifa into right to censor. <laughs> That'd be such a Vince move. Let's take this hard left gimmick yeah, and to just merge it with the hard. Make right. them conservative Christian yeah. 
<laughs> wasn't like I'm the Jesus it. freaks either. So. No, no. Uh, so he, he yeah. So anyways, and then he'll come um, out and feud with God again. Well, Vince, God, that uh, angle. Oh God, that that angle, that, <laughs> yeah, that angle in particular. So, anyways, um, yeah, no, uh, undisputed and McAfee, like it's just such a mess because Cole is not likable, McAfee is not likable, and neither one of their goals are particularly admirable, right? Like, is it? I I guess, and I guess McAfee's now the heel, um, but. Cole is not sympathetic in the slightest. No. It's <laughs> so uh I don't know. I don't know. It's so against the 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 rule book for having celebrities fight actual workers. That's so weird. Cuz the only other time they really healed a celebrity who wasn't already a heel like Dennis Rodman was the uh Floyd Mayweather thing. Because it was supposed to be big, it was supposed to be Big Show was supposed to be picking on Floyd, but then they let then they let Floyd break his nose, and all of a sudden Floyd's the creep. I just it, it's I'm gonna be very interested in next Saturday. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, next Saturday is gonna be an interesting show. I I just I think I'm interested for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I I, I I'm still. I'm still not into NXT takeovers with empty houses. I think that's a bad thing. Uh, they should. Just yeah, no, I, I agree on that. But like, I, I, I think okay. So the empty houses are part of the problem, but the bigger problem is that the NXT energy, the and the energy that made NXT NXT, it's just gone. Part of that's the having the full sale audience, but even they got to uh, up on their own farts at a certain point. But part of that was the hour format, and now that's gone in favor of a two-hour format. Part of that is the writing team that used to write this stuff out two, three months in advance, and this seemed to be a real kind of coherent plan of where we were going from takeover to takeover, um, and they were booking with that next takeover clearly in focus. And uh, the way they're doing NXT now, they're, they're overexposing some people. Uh, they are making the product more WWE main roster-like in a way that people don't necessarily like or respond to. Um, and to that point, th- that was the stuff that made NXT interesting. It was the stuff that made it feel like an actual second brand inside of WWE's family of brands here. Um, you could watch the main roster stuff or you could watch NXT and you could kind of choose your own adventure. It was like, wrestling for the wrestling fans and now it's a third wwe main roster program yeah we'll be back next week um probably late friday might be posted early saturday with our takeover preview we'd like to thank keeps for sponsoring us this week you can follow me at crap game 13 you can follow chris at chris novembrino you can just follow the show for our uploads even if i mistake the audio and have to redo it again at Shake Them Ropes. Chris, plug your other projects. So I'm like having slight writer's block on this new episode of Don't Worry About the Government. So I think I'm going to tape an episode of High Wattage to get the stress out here, get the mojo moving, get the energy flowing. So be on the lookout for that. 
in the Shake Them Ropes Patreon. Don't worry about the government can be found at don'tworry.tv on Patreon at patreon.com slash DWATG and on Spotify and Stitcher. So go subscribe, review, say wonderful things about the show or don't or don't I, just, you know, be yourself. I have to ask, are you running out of Eric Watts material? I there's a lot of matches. I It's just like I have to go and I have to kind of remember if I've watched that match or not. And eventually I need to start writing down which matches I've watched because I've just been watching stuff haphazardly. Like, can you do like, can you change to like Pat Tanaka? Pat Tanaka would be a fun one. Uh, the original owner of the Goldberg theme. The original owner of the Goldberg theme.